Welcome to Weekly Grooves. My name is Tim Houlihan. And I'm Kurt Nelson. Each week, Weekly Grooves picks a current article or news topic, and we examine it through a behavioral science lens. We dig in deep to help you understand the psychology behind that damn headline. We like to say that the specific topic is current, but, you know, the insights, they might even be timeless. Yeah, maybe. And and this week, our topic really does feel timely. Um, But I think that the insights we will get will also be truly timeless. Well, let's hope so. (laughs) We are going to explore how companies engage their employees and how they keep them psychologically safe. A recent article in CNBC's website by Corey Steig called Psychological Safety at Work Improves Productivity. Here are four ways to get it, according to a Harvard expert. Reviews some research that Kurt and I have been focused on for many years. Yeah, so it is timeless, right? (laughs) Well, okay, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. so, So psychological safety is a concept that was identified by Harvard professor Amy Edmondson from work that she did back uh, starting in the 1990s. And in the article, she defines psychological safety as, quote, a workplace where one feels one's voice is welcome with bad news, questions, concerns, half-baked ideas, and even mistakes, unquote. It is the idea that the team has my back through both good and bad. We had originally heard about this research based on work that Google did back in 2012 through 14 on high-performing teams, and they called it Project Aristotle. And they were trying to determine what makes a high-performing team and realized that it wasn't Things like intelligence or tenure or personality even make up of the team. Instead, the biggest factor in being a high-performing team was having a sense of psychological safety. And this article talks about four ways to increase psychological safety in your team. And we're going to explore each of those. Okay. Sounds good to me. So let's start uh, the first point that they make, and that is admit that you don't know. Right. So the key here is is this idea of being vulnerable, which provides the sense of reality for the people on the team, right? The sense of safety for people that that everything doesn't have to be 100% correct and that, you know, you as a leader are vulnerable to this and that you make mistakes. Yeah. So we have to be open about our limitations, right? We need to be willing to to be able to speak to those things. Um, And maybe this brings in research on likability. Well, Elliot Aronson had did some work back in the 1960s that I just find fascinating, and I'm not going to get into all of the details of it, but he took 48 students from the University of Minnesota, right? Yay! And had them rate uh, a, a tape of uh, contestants who were trying to try out for the college quiz bowl team. And basically, the, the gist of the information is that it was an actor who was doing this. Uh, and when the actor spilled coffee on himself, people liked him more than when he did not. So it was exactly the same tape, except for in one instance, he spilled coffee on himself and, and in the other one, he didn't. So they liked him better when he spilled coffee. So it's this idea that we're fallible, that you know, we're not perfect. And and the I, it was interesting is that in this case, they liked him more when they knew that he was competent, when he was able to answer those questions uh, effectively, when he hadn't, when he was just an average person, uh, that the results didn't hold up the same. 
So again, admit that you don't know things, be that bit of a, a little bit of fallible in this because it makes you more likable and people are going to be more open to sharing ideas, which is really what psychological safety is about. I just want to say that in modern times, Francesca Gino has replicated this concept by wearing red sneakers with her Armani suit in, uh, in, in her Harvard Business Review executive um, uh, MBA classes. And uh, she finds that they already respect her as an authority uh, and, and an expert. But when she wears her red sneakers, it allows more questions and people come up to her and talk to her because she's more approachable. Right. So, there was that likability aspect in that. So we've admitted that we don't know everything and that we have our own uncertainties and fears. The next suggestion that the article makes is to make sure that you respond productively to problems. So how we respond to problems is really essential to making sure that that the team feels psychologically safe. Right. So this, uh, by the way, when we think about uh, responding to problems and being productive, this doesn't mean that we, we should sugarcoat things, right? This doesn't mean overly apply too much diplomacy, but recognize and respect the person uh, in, in an honest and authentic way. This is an important aspect of being productive to try your because we're, we're there at work to solve problems together. We have to understand how we respond, right? So when we hear a problem, are we angry at the person for bringing and addressing that problem? Or do we need to, we need to probably shift to finding that solution? Yeah, well, it kind of re reminds us of the fundamental attribution error, right? When we blame others for problems, but if they were happening to us, we might blame it on circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Keep that in mind, right? Uh, another interesting piece of this is understand that body language and your voice signal a lot of things. So even if your words are said and the right thing, if you're rolling your eyes, if you're crossing your arms, if you're doing other things, you're sending signals out to your team as a leader that while I'm saying the right words, what I'm really feeling inside is that this is bad. So you have to understand and, and really be aware of how you are showing up across the board with this. So it takes thoughtfulness. You yes. have to be aware and be a little bit self-reflective at the same time. Okay. So we've realized that to create a psychologically safe workplace, we need to respond to problems appropriately. But the article goes on to say that we also need to get comfortable with new technology. Okay. I'm not sure how the new technology thing fits in, Kurt. All right. Well, let's explore what the article says, right? The article points out that the fact that Right now, many people are working remotely for the first time, and that with that working remotely, quote, uh, there are nuances of communication that tend to get lost in video chats and instant messages. And so there's this, this concept that we need to understand that technology, particularly given the, the circumstances that we're in today, can lead to increased stress for people and increased misunderstanding, which do not, which does not help uh, improving psychological safety. Yeah. Uh, Amy Edmondson is quoted in the article, but I, I actually just want to go straight to an article that you wrote in the Harvard Business Re Review called How to Foster Psychological Safety in Virtual Meetings. So she actually spoke to this directly and she talked about using tools such as hand raising to do quick polls or to assess how people are doing you know, um, are, are they struggling with COVID-19? What, what is going on in their world? But be aware of false negatives, right? People don't always know how tech works to do this. So you got to kind of coach them through this. You could also use anonymous polls, breakout rooms, or chat functions, right? To encourage everyone to participate 
off camera, she, she even goes so far as to suggest. Yeah, sometimes people may not feel comfortable on camera, so allow those opportunities to be off camera as well. We know that seeing people's faces and seeing their body language is really good to get that emotional connection. So try to do that, but also understand there are times when, you know what, you don't have to you know keep that on all the time. And sometimes just having that conversation with voice, like an old fashioned phone call, Tim, you know, those actually work sometimes in this. The other piece that she talks about is that, you know, given this world that we live in and we're in all these team Zoom meetings and whatever else it is, that there is still a case where we need to have that one-on-one connection. And so connect with people after the meeting, particularly if they didn't if you saw that they weren't really participating, make sure that you're doing that that connection, that reach out, as we like to say, because that's really important. All right. Yeah, it, it actually just reminds me of a, a situation that happened actually just last night after a board meeting of a of an organization that I'm a board member of. I got a call from the CEO on my phone, not another Zoom call with everybody's face, you know, plastered up like on the TV screen, and she just said, "Hey, I just wanted to check in." You had some really interesting ideas. I wanted to just explore this a little more. And so we just had a conversation over the phone. And one thing with that phone conversation too, and those one-on-ones, make sure that you're checking in uh, on an emotional basis too, right? So people may not feel like they can share um, in in general in in that larger audience, but they may be able to share in in that one-on-one. All right. So in this new day and age, we need to make sure that we're psychologically safe, even when working from home virtually, right? Probably even more so. And the last piece here is that the article talks about making sure that you have a sense of purpose. And it states, quote, knowing your purpose at work is the most important step in developing psychological safety, unquote. So in other words, you need to understand why your work matters in the broader scope of your company and beyond. And that when people have that understanding, they're more likely to speak up. Yeah. So this is evident. Companies will sort of do a good job of this when you are checking out uh, at a in a physical retail store and you you're buying some electronics and you don't have the batteries that you need and the cashier says, "Oh, by the way, it doesn't look like you have the batteries. Would you you know maybe you want to get some or should we should have someone go back and get those batteries for this new piece of electronics that you're that you're getting and and that's that's when someone feels like they have a purpose at work. Right when they're connected, is they're they're sort of automatically doing the the right things. Right, they're they're not just a cashier; they're they're a support person for the customer. So when the customer gets whatever it is that they're buying, that they have all of the pieces there for them. Again, changes that dynamic, but it changes then my ability to say and speak up and to feel safe in that speaking up because I now I'm doing it for a purpose. It reminds me, it goes back to the four drive model that we've talked about before. Some of this is, it revolves around the fourth drive, this drive to uh, uh, define and defend. Uh, And I always call this my cocktail party um, drive, right? Where if I I, I need to feel the sense of alignment uh, with the purpose of the organization, then I'm more likely to defend it. And if I'm at a cocktail party and I overhear, you you remember cocktail parties? Remember what those used to be where people gathered and you'd be drinking and and having conversation? Yeah. Um, Anyway, Having one of those and overhearing somebody speak negatively back, you know, just overhearing somebody say, oh, yeah, that company, they're, they're, they're doing all this bad stuff or whatever it would be. 
And, you know, if you don't have that sense of purpose, if you don't feel that alignment, you're not going to go out and defend the company. You're going to just, all right, keep drinking the cocktail that I have. But if you do, if you have that sense of of alignment around purpose, you're going to go back to them and you're going to say, hey, you know what? I work there. That's, you know, I, I want to understand why, why do you think that? Because that's not how I feel. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really interesting. You know, since the days of Peter Drucker, I remember seeing surveys that one of the most, or the most important thing about a person getting up and going to work isn't their pay. It isn't, isn't about, you know, having a friend at work. It's actually just doing meaningful work, right? That the meaningfulness yeah. of work has consistently been the number one contribution to on the job happiness for many years. And CNBC survey monkey workplace, um, happiness poll just recently reiterated that saying that 35% of the the people who responded rank meaningfulness as the number one contribution to on the job happiness. So we should we should remember that giving someone something meaningful to do is is really really important. Our brains want to be engaged in something that's meaningful. And behind that is salary and autonomy and opportunity and recognition. All those things fall in, in, back to the wayside. But giving someone a sense of purpose gives them a greater sense of happiness and fulfillment on the job. Right. All right. So those are the four areas that the article talked about. But having done a lot of research on this, we also know that there are other other steps that leaders can take to help foster uh, team psychological safety. And and, and again, uh, Amy Edmondson talks about uh, three of those. One of them is framework as a learning problem, not as execution problem. Again, thinking about just the mindset that you take when you're framing work as learning problems. Again, that comes into the the piece about how we you know how we respond to problems, right? If it's a learning problem, then it's something that we can learn from, and then we can move on from there. Two is acknowledge your own fallibility, right? Again, we talked about that a little bit here, but really making sure that people understand that as a leader you're not perfect and that you have your fears and uncertainties as well, particularly in this time with everything that is going on with, with COVID. I think a lot of people are, are really scared about that. And if we're not feeling safe uh, to talk about that, those feelings, we may not even want to address them ourselves. And so showing your own fallibility and your own fears and concerns can really help with that. Lastly, it's about modeling curiosity and asking lots of questions. So again, we want people to be curious on the team. To do that, we need to model that. And so be curious and do all of that. All right, Tim, do you think we've covered it? Do you think we've, we've, we've made it all? I think so. All right, hope so. well, let's recap. Okay. So first, psychological safety is important. The most effective culture is the one where team members feel safe to take risks and be vulnerable in front of each other. When teams have this, they work better together and just they're just downright more productive. This article outlined four key areas to help. First, be vulnerable, admit when you don't know something, and show your weaknesses and failures, right? Show that. Make sure that you're open and honest about those. Second, respond appropriately when problems arise. You need to check your own emotional response. Make sure that you're responding appropriately. Third, make your virtual meetings a safe place. They can be intimidating and scary for some people. So make sure that you are making them as safe and as welcoming as possible. And finally, make sure that you reiterate the purpose of the team and the organization, that this is key to people feeling like they want to speak up and contribute. 
And of course, there is a lot more to this than what we just talked about here. And if you want to find out more, feel free to reach out to Tim or myself. We've done a lot of work on this, and we're happy to talk through how you can implement a more psychologically safe practice in your workplace. We're actually putting some workbooks and other things together about exactly how to do this. So feel free, reach out, contact us. Uh, We'd be happy to talk. Yeah, well said, Kurt. Uh, this is going to wrap up this episode and we hope that you've enjoyed it it is our pleasure to share these thoughts and ideas with you and we hope that you enjoyed it and found it useful if you did please share it with a friend mention us on social media or maybe even leave us a review on apple or whatever podcast service you use so we really appreciate it right, right now we hope you go out and find your groove this week we'll be right back.